my Lanta. Oh, my Lanta. Tanner Fuller Gibbler fans, Angela Bowen here, the host of Oh My Lanta, Holy Chalupas, an unofficial Full House Fuller House podcast. How's everyone doing? I'm doing good. Well, with today's episode, we are closing out the reunion series of us uh, series for June. Yeah. And that episode is from Fuller House, Season 2, Episode 11, entitled DJ and Kimmy's High School Reunion, which aired December 9th, 2016. In this episode, a high school reunion leaves DJ wondering whether she still has feelings for Steve. We know she's had feelings for Steve. They have not stopped. (laughs) While a hapless Kimmy is trending for all the wrong reasons, we do have familiar faces reprising the roles and some new faces reprising familiar characters. We have, let's, let's see, we got Lola, we got CJ, we got, this is the first uh, change here, we have Hal Sparks, playing the role of Nelson Burkhard, who originally was played on Full House by Jason Marsden. We have Viper being played by the original actor David Glipper, and we have Scott Menville reprising his role as Dwayne. We also have Anne-Marie McCovey, or is it McCovey? M-C-E-V-O-Y, as Kathy Santoni. I believe, yes, this is the original actress who played Kathy Santoni. How many episodes was she on? She was on four episodes. Her first appearance in Full House would have been in Back to School Blues, 13 Candles, and Just Say No Way. And then she makes an appearance in Season 4's The IQ Man. That is the last episode where we see Kathy Santoni. She also played Sarah in 1984, Stephen King's Children of the Corn. She's done a handful of things here and there throughout. Oh, she was in an episode of Family Ties? Cool. Potato Head Kids. She played Puff. And she was also in the Cabbage Patch Kids' First Christmas from 1984. Awesome. So she has voiceover work. Oh, she also played in the season five episode of Mr. Belvedere, The Election. From 1989. So she's got a handful of things here and there. And that would have been prior to her time as... Oh, yeah, that would have been, okay, her first... Yeah, episode of Full House was in 1989. Okay. It looks like the last thing she worked on before she came back for Fuller House to reprise her role as Kathy Santoni was a show called Sons and Daughters. She played student. So it looks like other than that, she really hadn't, that would have been her last acting role before Fuller House. 
This episode has a 7.9 out of 10 based on 317 ratings. Directed by Eric Dean Seaton, S-E-A-T-O-N. Writers Jeff Franklin, the creator. Brian Behar, Steve Baldkowski, and Kate Spurgeon and Edie Fay. Seems like a lot of these Fuller House episodes do have Kate and Edie working a lot on similar episodes, which, cool. All right, we got some trivia. Kathy Santoni, Dwayne, and Viper all return with the same actress playing them as before. All except Nelson, who is played in Full House by Jason Marsden and is played here by Hale Sparks. Let's see. Jason Marsden was invited back for this episode, but he declined partly due to scheduling conflicts. Jason felt that he could earn more money by appearing instead at a comic convention that same weekend. More money than Fuller House producers were willing to pay him. The okay, um, I don't know why that's got to be trivia. That sounds like a um, personal private thing, but whatever. Most of the original pictures, or no, excuse me, most of the pictures on the name tags are from the original series, especially DJ's, Kimmy's, and Steve's. When DJ is holding up her prom picture of her and Steve, it is the same picture from DJ and Steve's prom in the series. The episode title is a reference to the 1997 film Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. Viper mentioned that Steve was captain of the wrestling team in the original series. Okay, I got a question here, and I've just now thought of this. I thought that Viper was much older than DJ. Like, she's 17, he's like maybe 18, 19 out of high school. I didn't know that he went to Bayside. I mean, not Bayside. I mean, my God. Yeah, he was on Saved by the Bell, everybody. No. <laughs> I didn't know that he went to um, Bayview High School. I had no idea. I mean, he seems, when Viper joins the show in, what, season seven or eight, he seems much older. Like, he's out of high school, whether he completed high school or didn't, I don't know. But he just seems older. He's able to go on the road with Jesse and play gigs and st stuff. He doesn't have, like, schoolwork or college tying him down. So that's why I just assumed, like, oh, it's an older guy that's ended a uh, 17, 18-year-old. But, yeah, like I said, I had no idea that Viper even knew who Steve was. which, And I haven't even seen this episode since I originally watched it in 2016. So there are going to be things that are going to come like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Or, oh, wow, I didn't know that. So, yeah, I, I like that. It puts enough distance and time in between me and the episode to feel like it's kind of newish again. And this is something that I was like when I saw this part in the episode, I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Here's a goof. Looking at their yearbook, DJ declares she was voted most likely to marry Lance Bess, who was a member of NSYNC. However, DJ graduated in 1995. NSYNC's first public appearance was October 22, 1995, several months after the class graduated. Lance Bass would not have yet been the public figure to inspire such a category. Also, continuity. The year is said by Ramona to be 2016, but DJ and Kimmy are attending their 20th class reunion when they graduated from high school in 1995. It was never explained why the reunion was a year late. And a song! 
Everything I do, I do it for you, performed by Brian Adams. Oh, I love that song. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, 1990, 1991, not 1999. My sister had the VHS. I can never get through the beginning scene in that movie. It is so, even Jeremy, who owns the Blu-ray or DVD or whatever, and he would put it on, and I'd be like seeing it so open, and like, okay, I got to step out of the room, or okay, you turn that down. I don't want to hear that. Until they get past that beginning part, and then I can watch the movie. It just, it's really, really, if you guys have seen Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, you guys know what scene, opening scene I'm talking about in the prison. It is just very, it's gruesome, it's uncomfortable, it's just, I, even to this day, you know, almost 30 years later, I cannot, I just can't. I'm not a fan of limbs being forcibly removed from people's bodies, I'll leave it at that. And of course, before I get to the episode, I want to let the Tanner newbies who just joined the podcast know where they can find the podcast to listen to. It's on iTunes. It's on SoundCloud. It's also on Podbean. Also on social media. It has a fit podcast has a Facebook page. Just type in Full House or Fuller House Podcast. The Oh My Lanta Holy Chalupas podcast will pop up. Also on Instagram at OMHC Full House Fuller House Podcast. And Twitter at OMHC Full House. So if you haven't yet Follow along on the social media site so you know what episodes I'm going to be covering. Each month is different. I don't go episode by episode, season by season. I want to be a, I want to be a little different from the other podcasts. I'm like, you know what? I want to do episodes based on character or theme. So I've done the Jesse and Becky love story in January 2020. I've done the back to school episodes in September. I've done the Summer Fun series, I believe, in the summer of 2019, lasting from, I believe, June, July, and August. Also, another thing that sets this podcast apart from other Full House and Fuller House podcasts is this is a clean podcast that adults, parents, you can listen to with your kids around. You can listen to it on your speaker, have it playing out for everyone to hear because this is a clean podcast. I want it to be the alternative to other Full House and Fuller House podcasts out there that are more adult content oriented. Not to mention, I mean, for those of you that grew up with Full House and you're getting your kids into Full House and Fuller House, I want this to be something that can be shared with the whole family. Also, if you have been listening to the podcast for a while and you really like it and you want to find a way, like, how do I support the podcast? It's very simple and it's 100% free. Just go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, search Full House, Fuller House, the Oh My Lanta Holy Chalupas podcast is going to pop up. Just scroll all the way down to where it says leave a review and leave a review. Have fun with it. Just, you know, leave emojis if you want to. And I can decide, like, who is this character based on these emojis? Someone, a listener actually did do that. And I thought that was the funniest thing. I had a fun time trying to guess who's who. (laughs) Also, all the reviews that the podcast gets helps it get noticed by other Full House and Fuller House fans like yourselves. So... Also, if you'd like to email the podcast and tell me how you enjoy the podcast, how you have your own top five 
best characters, worst characters, best episodes, worst episodes, or if you even think that you could write an episode better than the one that was written, I would love to read about it. Yeah, so yeah, just send me an email at omhcfhfhpodcast at gmail.com, and I always put the episode... The email address in the episode description on SoundCloud, so that way you don't gotta be like scribbling with a pen. <laughs> what? 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 What was that address? It's gonna be there for you in the episode description. Don't worry about it. So, all right. Without further ado, let's conclude the reunion series for June with DJ and Kimmy's high school reunion. Oh, I haven't watched this in like five years. I'm so excited. <laughs> So we come out of the intro, and it's so funny. They still have the Christmas tree up. And the stairs are still lined with poinsettias from Christmas. So I'm like, is this just before New Year's Eve? It, it's gotta be, right? Let me look at the, uh, the episode. So... Okay, yes. It, hold on. Um... Okay, so this is just before Christmas, the Christmas episode, No Crackers. Okay, at first I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> when was... So maybe it takes place, like, between the time of after Thanksgiving and before Christmas would be my guess. So DJ yells for Kimmy, like, Kimmy, come on, we're going to miss our high school reunion. So Kimmy comes out in this beautiful royal blue dress, and she says, as much as I want to wear this dress, my old prom dress keeps blinking. Wear me, wear me, wear me. Remember in the series finale, she came in with that fuchsia pink dress Kimmy did with the uh, the lights on the the hem of it, the bottom of the dress, and then also the um, the chest part of the the top part of the dress. Yeah. I'm surprised those lights work after all this time. I love DJ. She says, or it's saying, burn me, burn me, burn me. (laughs) And DJ reminds Kimmy, like, Kimmy, it's a high school reunion, not a 90s theme party. Kimmy's correct as she tells DJ, our entire lives are a 90s theme party. Well, yeah, that they are. And we find out that Matt, the reason he can't attend, of course, is because Matt is currently in India. And DJ's like, oh, it's such a shame he's still in India. I mean, he's missing all of this. And she takes her hand and, like, uh, glances down her body, like, at her beautiful dress and her her hair and just her, her beautiful, can- <laughs> DJ's beautifulness. Oh, yeah, she texted Matt some photos so he doesn't miss out just how gorgeous she looks in this dress. It really is pretty. Oh, DJ, girl, you did not. Because Kimmy asked, like, oh, did he like the new dress? And DJ says, who says the dress was on? I'm like, whoa, girl, woo-wee. <laughs> and the <laughs> audience is like, woo. <laughs> and Kimmy's like, woo, was it? And DJ's like, yes. Like, <laughs> rolling her eyes, like, are you kidding? <laughs> DJ Tanner Fuller is not about those kind of selfies. And DJ notices the high school yearbook that's open on the coffee table. How many of you out there spent the 40 bucks to get the hardcover yearbooks each year? I have every one except my freshman. I really wish I could have gotten my freshman high school yearbook. 
But it's a thing where you pay like 20 bucks at the beginning of the year, they give you a ticket, and they expect you, you know, nine months later to still have that ticket when you go to get the yearbook and pay the other $40. Remember in like middle school and elementary school when you got a yearbook, it was basically like a paperback? Because really, it seems like that's all that elementary and middle school yearbooks are mainly just what just the pictures of you with your your classmates and your teacher right there might be like oh here's the drama club or here's the um phys ed class or i don't know something to, it didn't i mean there's so much stuff that goes into a high school yearbook it's just it's not to mention, like, thinking of class photos and how expensive those are. Good golly. I remember one year, I think it was just one year, seventh grade, I actually got to pick out my own background. It was a nice red background. I was wearing, like, a, a blue and white plaid shirt. It was really nice. Can't say much about uh, the hair. You know, that summer uh, I turned 13, my sister gave me a perm. <sighs> DJ picks up the yearbook. It's like, oh, I totally forgot. I was voted most likely to su succeed. Most likely to use gosh in a sentence. And most likely to marry Lance Bass. Again, I agree with the trivia there. It's like, they graduated in 95. I don't remember NSYNC really starting to slowly take off until what... I swear I barely heard of NSYNC until like 97, 98. I mean, they might have, you know, because I was reading the teen magazines, you know, Teen Beat, 16, Bop, and BB magazine, and I was looking, and it, what came first, Backstreet Boys or NSYNC? I swear, like, NSYNC was first, and I, I mean, Backstreet Boys were first, and then NSYNC, because two of my friends at the time, one was really into Backstreet Boys, the other was really into NSYNC. I, of course, was into Hanson, so. I mean, unless that's a college yearbook, but do they do college yearbooks? I, I, I don't think they do. And DJ looks over at Kimmy and says, gosh, they were wrong about that. I did have a friend, the one that liked NSYNC. She was a big fan of, you know, she liked Justin Timberlake, but she, her walls were plastered with Lance Bass pictures. I just, I don't know what it was. I just was not huge on the Backstreet Boy and NSYNC bandwagon. I don't know. I mean, I listened to New Kids on the Block because my sister was into them back in the the late 80s and stuff like that but i i was a hansen girl you know i uh isaac and taylor and zach i mean i'm sure you can guess which was my fave it was taylor <laughs> and yes i will admit the first time i saw the Bob video i did think that taylor was a girl at first yeah i mean yes they all had long blonde hair but and then i'm like oh yes three brothers cool And Kimmy, of course, got most weirdest. She says it's because this one time she ate a sandwich with her feet. Who does that remember? Um, <laughs> uh, what was it? Yeah, it was season six. It was the prom episode for Steve where his ex-girlfriend Rachel shows up and Steve manages to get Kimmy a date with Gorilla Bernstein who apparently can eat a banana with his feet. So it's kind of funny that uh, Kimmy brings up her 
getting caught eating a sandwich with her feet, which I really like Kimmy's necklace. It's got like a seashell and then it's got a starfish and then it's got a little uh, nautical, it's very, of course, it's nautical themed and it's got like an anchor and then a couple other things. It's just, it's really pretty and I gotta like hand it to the props department. Like, we grew up with Kimmy Gibbler's weird, goofy, colorful outfits, and they are 100% on point in Fuller House. It's just, it's like, stepped up a notch. It's like, yeah, she was kooky and funny and dressed goofy in Full House, but in Fuller House, we're all, we're all praising, like, yes, Kimmy with your outfits are amazing. I mean, the bacon and egg scarf... I want it. The pizza scarf, 100% give it to me. Oh, okay, so the picture she pulls out is a picture of her and Steve at Steve's prom, and it's it's gorgeous. They both look so beautiful. I gotta say, I really was not a huge fan of DJ's hair in the final season with it being cut short, but then the ends are flipped upward, and it just did not suit it at all very well oh wow look you can see in the laundry room there in that archway it's a blue washer or is that a dryer i don't know but it's colorful i would want red you know me you know i love red i would 100 percent want a red colored washer and dryer but if i couldn't have red blue would be the next one blue is my second favorite color audience when uh, the camera zooms in on the picture of Steve and DJ at his prom the audience is like oh like they're like oh yeah oh remember those happy days she says we had such big dreams and big hair their hair does not look that big come on I mean you want to talk big hair 80s was all about the big hair you know the heavy metal bands but just big big hairsprayed poofed up hair I could show you pictures, guys. I could show you pictures, not of me, but of relatives with big, big, poofy 80s hair. And Kimmy is so excited. She says, tonight's going to be a big night. And then her Kimmy's phone chimes. She picks it up, looks at it, and says, for you. Oh, boy. It looks like Fernando might not be able to make it. Oh, it turns out, Kimmy says, however, I will not be going. And she takes off towards the stairs. Oh, okay, it has nothing to do with Fernando, because DJ thinks, whoa, 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 come back here, what's going on? Kimmy says, Kathy Santoni just posted this on our reunion Facebook page. Oh, Kathy Santoni, is she up to her old tricks again? Remember the time in that episode where Steve gave Kathy Santoni a ride home because she was loaded down with books? And DJ says, yeah, and about 10 pounds of makeup or something to that effect. Dude, you don't do that to your girlfriend. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, she put a picture that says garbage bag Gibbler. What? Where was this picture taken? It looks like on some old country road with a dirt road and some trees on either side. Senior Ditch Day. Yeah, apparently uh, they were partying in the hot springs and some joker stole Kimmy's clothes. <sighs> Was a Bitterman? Jake Bitterman. Why couldn't we have gotten Jake Bitterman? Seriously. 
We need Jake Bitterman. I want to know what happened to him. They could have included something in the dialogue. Like, hey, remember, I mean, we got Kathy Santoni. Did they reach out to the guy who, Kevin, what about Kevin? Wait, he probably got put in a private school after that drinking incident. Yeah, that's why they drifted apart. Like, uh, I'll write to you, but maybe not. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I want to know what happened to Jake. Actually, honestly... Oh, oh, wait, we did know. Yeah, because DJ called him Jake at her 13 candles party. Okay. And Bitterman, so, yeah. That's why she spent the whole day wearing a trash bag, because some dingus stole her clothes. <sighs> Guys are so immature. Although, was it a guy? I love how DJ's been so supportive. Like, hey, Kimmy, nobody rocks a hefty bag like you do. Come on, girl. <laughs> And Kimmy's like, thanks, but you know, darn well, I was a laughing stock of the whole school. And DJ tells her, like, it was only for a couple weeks, because you know, Lisa Wolf, she farted in Glee Club. Yeah. Isn't that how they say sometimes, like, oh, they always, when a rumor starts about you, someone will, like, try to be supportive, like, oh, well, don't worry about it, and another week they'll be talking about another student. It's like, that might be the case, but it still hurts. And DJ tells Kimmy, it's like, who cares? Seriously, Kimmy, you have blossomed into a wonderful mother. It's like, yeah, Kimmy, look how much you've accomplished. You're a wonderful mother to a girl who's turning into a beautiful young woman. And you also have a successful business, Gibbler style party planning. I mean, what is Kimmy, or what is, Kimmy, what is Kathy Santoni doing nowadays? Really, what is she really doing? And Kimmy's like, oh yeah, let's not forget, uh, my date is the handsomest man in the world. Oh yeah, I definitely agree. Fernando's, he's rocking it. He is definitely rocking it. So here comes Fernando dressed in his racing outfit. As he asks, Kimberlina, is this what men wear to high school reunions in America? Because he's also got his racing helmet tucked under his arm. Oh, Kimmy basically had him dressed like that because she wants to make sure everybody knows what a hot race car driver Fernando is. And she tells Fernando, your job is to stand there all night and be my man candy. And Fernando says, I feel like a piece of beefcake. And I'm surprisingly fine with it. Well, good for you, Fernando. He smacks him on the butt as he walks in his kitchen. Oh, that house is still very dolled up for, for Christmas. Oh, I like, some people, honestly, they do an amazing job. They really, really do with how they make the sets just look so awesome. Right, Quinn? She's sleeping. Oh, we got to have that Britney Spears reference as he turns around. Like, oh, hit me, baby, one more time. <laughs> Pull that out of storage. <laughs> burn me, burn me, burn me. Yeah. It's a high school reunion, Kimmy, not a 90s theme party. Our entire lives are a 90s theme party. <laughs> you know, it's such a shame that Matt is still in India. I mean, he's missing all of this. <laughs> but I texted him some photos. Did he like your new dress? Who said the dress was on? <laughs> was it? Yes. <laughs> oh, look, it's our high school yearbook. Oh, 
voted most likely to succeed, most likely to use gosh in a sentence, and most likely to marry Lance Bass. Gosh, they were wrong about that. All I got was most weirdest. All because one time I ate a sandwich with my feet. So Stephanie comes in and she says she has great news about the kids and she says put your hands for, together for the superstar of the third grade Mr. Maxwell Fuller and Stephanie starts playing some music on her phone. Hey! Hey! I have great news about the kids. First of all, put your hands together for the superstar of third grade, Mr. Maxwell Fuller. Guess who just got student of the month for the eighth time? <laughs> Sometimes during tests, I close one eye just to make it more challenging. Oh my goodness, that's good. And next, she's got moves like Jagger, but she doesn't know who Jagger is. <laughs> Say hello to Ramona Gibbler. <laughs> Guess who made the newspaper's top 15 dancers under 15? the newest member of the Fuller Overachievers Club, Jackson Fuller. What, no music? What, no music? <laughs> oh, that was dancing? <laughs> Guess you got all A's this semester. Wow, that, that's unbelievable. <laughs> I, Ouch. I mean, it's not unbelievable, it's just really surprising. <laughs> Surprising! I mean, congratulations! Oh, honey. oh my God! 
And tonight, Stephanie is going to throw Stephanie's first annual gifted student pizza party. Sweet. <laughs> Stephanie's going to need your credit card. <laughs> of course. Ramona got in the newspaper top 10 or was it top 15 dancers under the age of 15. Cool. And I love how Kimmy is like, oh wow, and you even know what a newspaper is. It's like, come on, Kimmy, give her a little credit. She may share your DNA, but come on now. And of course, Jackson Fuller, Stephanie says the member of the overachievers club and he comes in and he starts doing dance moves and i said i said this before he said it i'm like what no music and he, and he said it right after i did and stephanie looks at him like oh that was dancing <laughs> and the fact that he got all a's this semester and i'm just like dang tg they treat him like they don't expect him to do well, like, at all. I get the kids' struggles and stuff, because we'll see that in, like, season... I thought it was, like, season three or something. That's why he's got to go to summer school, because he's having, you know, problems with retaining information or something. Of course, Mr. Maxwell Fuller is like, oh, sometimes I close one eye to make it more challenging when I take tests. Like, oh, Max. And I love how Stephanie's like, oh, we are going to have... A student pizza party. And the kids, of course, you say the magic word pizza, and they're like, pizza party, pizza party. And I love how Stephanie leans into DJ like, ah, yeah, I'm going to need your credit card. <laughs> uh, and, of course, the doorbell rings, and Kimmy and DJ saying, it's always open. And in come Steve and CJ. Why are they here? <laughs> It's always open! Hey, you guys. Hey! Great! Dee, since you're going to your class reunion and it's at our old high school, would you mind returning Lord of the Flies to the library for me? Good grief. <laughs> it's a little overdue. My little... Steve, this was due 22 years ago. You would have had to have paid for Yeah, that. if you could just, like, sneak it onto the shelf, you'd save me about nine grand in late fees. Oh, my God! Steve, you're a naughty boy. Maybe you should make me write, I'm a naughty boy, a hundred times on the blackboard. Maybe I will. Hmm. Okay. Maybe you should take that outside. Yeah. Take it outside. So, <laughs> Steve is like, hey, since it's your high school reunion DJ, do you think you could, like, return my copy of Lord of the Flies. It's a little overdue. And she opened, DJ opens it, and of course there's a slip in there. It was due 22 years ago. And Steve's like, yeah, if you could just sneak it back onto the shelf. I owe like nine grand in late fees. I'm trying to remember when I had late fees at the, you know, as an adult, I know, horrible, horrible. You know, late fees at the library. It's like, they charge you like 10 cents a day or something. I mean, that's nothing compared to like a video late fee. Which, Blockbuster eventually got word of the, rid of the word late fee and called it a restocking fee, which was was $1.33. I remember this. $1.33 a day. How many times did I have to argue with customers? It's not called a late fee. You're not being charged the same amount you would to rent the tape, which is like $4, you're being charged a buck 33 That's like, 
half of that. I mean, come on, people. And of course, he's like, hey, CJ, maybe you should make me write a hundred times on the blackboard. I'm a naughty boy or something to that effect. And she's like, hey, maybe I will. And they start, like, total making out on the front step there. And DJ's like, why don't you two take that outside? It's like, yeah, why don't you? I mean, I just, seeing Steve and CJ together, it's just, I still, I don't think it was fair to CJ. It really wasn't. And the fact, but I just, I don't, ugh, their presence there was just unnecessary. Alright, let's get back to class of 1995, Bayview High School. Welcome back. Kimmy's trying to psych herself out, like, Kimmy, you can do this. You are a strong independent black woman. Okay, no you're not, but you get the idea. Effie Santoni, the lady who's got like umpteen guys hanging around her. No different in like 1990 versus 2016. And DJ's like, Kimmy, are you sure that's Kathy Santoni? And Kimmy's like, yeah, look at those boobs. That was the thing in Full House. It was always about Kathy Santoni's boobs. They were just there. And that was the focal point of when we actually meet Kathy Santoni in the Back to School Blues Season 3 episode where DJ and Kimmy are getting their class schedules and Kathy Santoni comes up in a crop top, which I know would not be part of a dress code even in 1991 or what. And it's just like, wow, Kathy Santoni, you grew up big time. Oh my gosh. It's like, even in the other two episodes we see her in, which is 13 Candles, and then the Just so, Say No Way episode, and then there's also the um, IQ Man, I think that was her last episode. Whatever she was wearing, it was always accentuating her chest. Always wearing suspenders and the in the push-up shirts to emphasize her giant breasts. And I'm just like, she's a teenager, what are you doing? I I remember when I originally saw this, I could not I'm like, is that at first I thought it was played by her role was played by a different actress, but apparently not. So it's, it's I just realized this. Kathy Santoni she comes over, hugs Kimmy and DJ, and she explains kind of how the layout of the gym, wherever one is. Like, all right, so the nerds are by the punch bowl. The stoners are over there. And then she says, oh, yeah, and the two guys on the water polo team that I dated are now married and making out under the bleachers. So this just kind of takes me back to when we first met Kathy Santoni, because we heard quite a bit about her before we actually met her in the season three Back to School Blues episode, where it's DJ and Kimmy's first day at junior high. They meet up with Kathy Santoni, and she's got the 411 on everything Van Atta Junior High, as far as who's who kind of thing. Like, oh, all the hot guys take metal shop and after school, everyone makes out on the football field. And I love Kimmy's grin. Like, everyone? And I love how Kathy Santoni's like, well, maybe not everyone. <laughs> but yeah, she's, it's kind of like, I just got, it felt like that same similar reference. Like, 
Kathy Santoni's in charge of, you know, kind of putting this... Well, actually, no. Kimmy's the one who's in charge of it with her Gibbler party planning because she's up there on stage promoting that. And Kathy Santoni wastes no time. Like, oh, did you see the picture I posted? And she shows... And Kimmy's like, oh, yeah, yeah, garbage bag Gibbler. It's like Kimmy's putting on a straight face trying to, you know, just brush it off like it's no big deal. But, you know, in her heart, like, it kind of is a big deal. And Kimmy says, oh, yeah, thank you for reminding me of all the fun we had in high school. (laughs) She adds, I can't wait until her 40th so we can reminisce about all the fun we had just now. Of course, DJ has nothing to say to Kathy Santoni, so she's like, let's go watch Kimmy. And then we cut to the stage because Kimmy's up there and she's going to present. And then kick things off, get things started. Yeah, she says, welcome to the Bayview High 20th Annual Reunion for the Class of 1995. And I love how she's, it's almost like one of those radio ads where at the end of the ad, you get all that important information that they just run through, like the microchip machine man, where she's like, produced by Gibbler Style Party Planning. (laughs) She's got it. She's got to get that in there. So, Kimmy... I'm Kimmy Gibbler, and somewhere in the crowd, I played it twice, I cannot find this person, it's clearly off the screen somewhere, garbage bag Gibbler! (laughs) Of course, Kimmy's like, look, nobody remembers or cares about some silly incident from 20 years ago, everybody holds up their phones with garbage bag Gibbler, the meme, garbage bag Gibbler on there. Apparently they care. And, you know, Kimmy's doing her best to play this off. <laughs> Correction, apparently everyone cares. Okay. So, Kimmy introduces Fernando. Uh, she calls him a celebrity. We have a celebrity in the house tonight. My fiancé, the most handsome race car driver on the planet. Fernando Hernandez Guerrero Fernandez Guerrero. That is the longest name in history. Oh my goodness, that is a long, long name. Fernando comes in wearing his race car suit. It honestly looks like a gr- off-white gray snow suit with, you know, race, you know, patches put on there. And then he's wearing, of course, a helmet that looks like you'd wear if you were going snowmobiling. But there's a reason why he's wearing the helmet. And Kimmy is really talking up. She's so, this is her mom, you know, how proud she is of you know, Fernando, and just, she's trying to come back from this garbage bag Gibbler meme that's now become so popular. She's like, oh, there's my fiancé back straight from work where he drives a race car and looks very debonair doing it. She said, wait till you see this handsome face. She pulls off the helmet, and she doesn't exactly see. There are welts on Fernando's neck. There's, like, two on his neck. There's, like, a bunch on his face, the side of his face is kind of, you know, swollen. And apparently he was throwing rocks at a beehive. Have we learned nothing from Thomas J from my girl? You don't do that. You don't do that. The audience is just in sh- And I don't mean the audience in the gymnasium. I mean the audience, like, watching this episode being filmed. They're like, oh! And <laughs> Fernando just waves. He just plays it off like okay. he knows his face is just uh, not uh, not in a good place right now. 
my god, the audience, like, visibly, like, not only gasp, but they, like, kind of pull away, like, ah, don't touch me. <laughs> even, even DJ's like, oh! <laughs> Kimmy, of course, has not looked at Fernando. He's like, what's wrong with you people? He's beautiful. <gasps> He's like, oh my god, you're a monster. story <laughs> he says while i was waiting outside i was viciously attacked by a gang of bees well you throw rocks at the hornet nest you're gonna get stung thomas J., you should have learned yeah, he's like perhaps i should not have passed the time by tossing rocks at their hive oh i think it's punishment even though i love my girl we need i think we should have macaulay culkin as Thomas J, just that playing on a loop, him, that happening, just for, just, just proved to Fernando, like, this is wrong, you don't do this, this is what happens when you do this. He's lucky he just got a face full of welts. And Fernando says, I haven't looked in the mirror, but I might be slightly allergic. And I'm like, yeah, think? On the front of his race car outfit, it says Argentina Racing on it. <laughs> Kimmy's trying to save this moment. Like, I swear he's gorgeous. You should see him in a Speedo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love how Fernando, like, gets in front of the microphone. It's like, it is true. I am normally a magnificent sight to behold. <laughs> oh, DJ finally gets up. Like, Fernando, we have got to get you to a hospital. Oh, <laughs> Fernando's like, no, it's your big night. I already called Lyft. It is cheaper than Uber. I love <laughs> these references are going to be so out of date in like 30 years. What's a Lyft? What's an Uber? We have flying cars now. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine in 30 years if we have flying cars? I would be like going on 70 at that point. Quinn, do you think we'll have flying cars by then? I'd like to see that in my lifetime if I possibly can. I mean, I may not be able to drive one, but if I'd have the chance to ride in one, that would be pretty wild. Can you make that happen, Quinny? She's sleeping. <laughs> She's like, I don't know what a fly. I don't even know what a flying car is. What are you talking about? And Kimmy asks, are you sure? And Fernando says, yes, I checked the prices. She's not, she's not asking, are you sure of that? She's asking, are you sure, like, he'll be okay that DJ doesn't need to take you to the hospital? Oh, Fernando's like, Kimberlina, goodbye, I love you. And of course, DJ, I'm DJ, I'm DJ. <laughs> and he says, sorry, my eyelids are turning in on themselves. Like, ah. He says, I'm sorry, my eyelids are folding in on themselves. Well, yeah. All right, so DJ takes Fernando to uh, probably to wait out in front of the school for the lift and Kimmy continues like hey let's get this party started with some 90s music oh looks like the apparently the DJ is stuck in traffic so Kimmy's like hey let's just play some 90s music from my playlist on my phone and instead she accidentally hits play on a voicemail from her doctor telling her to drink cranberry juice and apply something to her, you know, regional area, and it will clear up by New Year's. 
Uh, and of course, you'll hear me in the clip say, is that a yeast infection? I'm like, no, that's most likely a UTI. Oh, no one wants to have that around the holidays or any time of the year, but especially not around the holidays. Ugh. Well, if Kimmy thought that uh, Gibbler gar garbage bag Gibbler meme was bad enough, now her entire class of 1995 is hearing her that she has a UTI. Oh, this girl, this night is not going good for her at all. First of all, her husband was, you know, got a face full of welts from, you know, throwing rocks at a hornet's nest. And now, <laughs> instead of hearing the 90s playlist, <laughs> everyone gets to hear her doctor telling her to, uh, what to do for a UTI. Oh, Kimmy, I feel for you, girl. I do. No one wants a UTI. Or a yeast infection for that matter. Ooh. Like, okay. Kimmy, you can do this. You are a strong black woman. No, you're not, but you get the idea. Look, there's Kathy Santoni. Are you sure that's her? Yes, look at those boobs. DJ, oh, it's so good to oh, see you. Oh. Well, everybody's already organized. The uh, nerds are by the punch bowl. The oh. stoners are over there. And the two guys I dated on the water polo team are now married and making out under the bleachers. <laughs> okay. Hey, did you see the picture I posted? Oh, yes. <laughs> Garbage bag gibbler. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me of all the fun we had in high school. Oh. Can't wait until our 40th so we can reminisce about all the fun we had just now. <laughs> Come on, let's go watch Kimmy. Welcome, Welcome to the Bayview High Class of 95 Reunion, produced by Gibbler Style Party Planning. <laughs> I'm Kimmy Gibbler. Garbage bag Gibbler! <laughs> Remembers or cares about some silly incident from 20 years ago. Oh, come on, everybody. Everybody cares. <laughs> Anywho, tonight we have a celebrity in the house, my fiance, the most handsome race car driver on the planet, Fernando Hernandez Guerrero Fernandez Guerrero. drives a race car and looks very debonair doing it. <laughs> Where do you see this handsome face? Ah! What in the world? Oh my god! What is wrong with you people? He's Look, good. Oh my god, you're a monster! I have a funny story. Oh god. While I was waiting outside, I was viciously attacked by a gang of bees. <laughs> Perhaps I should not have passed the time by tossing rocks at their hive. You learned nothing from Thomas J. from my girl? I haven't looked in the mirror, but I might be slightly allergic. Oh, oh. he looks it. I swear, he's gorgeous. You should see him in a Speedo. It is true. I am normally a magnificent sight to behold. Oh, my God. Nina, we've got to get you to a hospital. No, it's your big night. I already called Lyft. It is cheaper than Uber. Are you sure? Yes, I checked the prices. 
Kimberly, now goodbye. I love you. No, I'm DJ. Yeah, uh, oh, uh, yeah. I am sorry. My eyelids are folding in on themselves. Oh, my God. <laughs> Go to a hospital, dude. Okay, um, uh, moving on. Let's, Let's get, get this, this party started with some 90s music. Uh-oh. Uh, but the DJ is stuck in traffic. Oh, um, well, uh, no worries. I'll just plug in my phone with my 90s playlist. Kimberly, this is Dr. Shapiro. You need to drink a lot of cranberries to wash out your system. And then every two hours, you can just apply the cream directly to the infected oh, area. Oh, God. Any luck? We'll be back in action by New Year's Eve. Oh, my God. <laughs> or, oh, no, that's a UTI. Never mind. Oh, my God. This, oh, this is crazy. <laughs> oh. All right, let's get back to the house and the pizza party. Stephanie and the kids. So yeah, we're in the kitchen and Jackson is just so excited. He's like, hey, check it out. I finally made the fridge with something other than a hand turkey. And Ramona, I think, is asking the question we are all wondering. How did you get all A's anyway? I've never seen you study once. I mean, yeah, I, I was kind of wondering, like, wait a minute. We know that he struggles with studying in other seasons as well. So it's like, okay, wait a minute. I mean, I was generally happy, but it was like, okay, now it's suspicious. And the way that Jackson kind of talks down to Ramona, it's like, Ramona, in America, it's not about how hard you study. It's about dreaming big. Uh, it doesn't make sense. And she just looks at him, shaking her head. Again, how did you get all A's? I love, we see in the background, Maxie's just got a hand on his forehead, like, uh, shaking his head, like, oh, Jackson. And now we cut to him, and Max is like, well, I asked myself the same question. Max, how does a C student become an A student overnight? He is pointing, Max is pointing his finger right at Jackson, and Jack, Jackson's, like, got fear in his eyes, like, oh, no, I'm about to be found out. Because Max is a sleuth. He, yeah, something's fishy around here, and, and Max is going to solve this mystery. And I love how Max is just drawing this out as he hops down from the chair by the kitchen island, or the kitchen counter. He says, and that's when I took a leisurely stroll over to the printer scanner copier, which is conveniently right next to the desk in the kitchen. It's his hand right on top of it for emphasis. Printer scanner copier. <laughs> Max is just so full of wisdom. As he looks at Jackson and says, Jackson, little tip. In the future, if you want to change your grades... Always remove the original report card from the printer, scanner, copier. He's always putting emphasis on the printer, scanner, copier. Max whips out the, the report card and basically shoves it in Jackson's face. Jacuz! And Jackson asks, what does Jacuz mean? And Max says, it means I accuse you in French, a language you claim to have an A in. <laughs> oh, he's been caught. And I love how Max is like tapping the grade on the paper like, a language you claim to have an A in. <laughs> and of course, Jackson goes to reach for it and Max just pulls it right out of his reach. And Stephanie's like, all right, all right, stop, stop, stop. 
<laughs> this reminds me so much of when uh, Tommy Page came over for Stephanie's 10th birthday and Stephanie was jealous that Tommy was spending time with DJ and she made these like picture she printed these pictures of DJ like with the mumps and her first bath and this and that and then she runs up the stairs Stephanie does from the recording studio down in the basement picture high above her head running around the table <laughs> as DJ chases her also in sisterly love when Stephanie gets a commercial for the uh, oboe cereal that DJ was going for and they're running around the kitchen table when she, Stephanie's holding the box of cereal. Luckily, <laughs> it doesn't get to that point because Stephanie puts a stop to it before there is any chasing around the kitchen. Uh, Stephanie's like, Max, give me the report card. And then she asks Max, are you saying that Jackson altered his report card? And Stephanie says, because that does not sound like the honest kid that I... She looks at the report card. Oh, yeah, he did. So Jackson, of course, is really defensive. He's like, so what if I change my grades? Sorry, I'm not good at test taking. I honestly feel... Nothing against Michael Campion at all. Just, just this scene, honestly... I don't know. I'm just, I'm thinking if he went like DJ level, what's a good example of an episode where DJ, what, exactly, okay, perfect example, season two, El Problemo Grande de DJ, when DJ gets a D in Spanish. And the way that she acts about, you know, here, Dad, here's my report card. She didn't try to change her grades or anything. But she's like, Dad, this is completely unfair. And then, you know, if you listen to the episode, I, I covered it. And, I, actually, gosh, when did I cover that? Last fall? I, can't, I already can't remember. <coughs> um, I think it was last September. Anyway, that level, I want that level of frustration from Jackson and it just what he's delivering is just it's like come on just give me a tad more like you're at a two when you should be at like a four or a five level of you know frustration because he's clearly he's been caught you know in a lie he changed his grades and now he's like, well, so what if I'm not... It's like he's trying to justify his actions by saying, well, well I'm just not good at test-taking. Big deal if I changed my grades. And of course, Max adds, are you at using the printer, scanner, copier? <laughs> Jackson's like, fine, who cares about getting my stupid report card on the stupid fridge? We keep our stupid food and our stupid drinks. I don't know. Oh, <coughs> um... I know, I'm pretty sure that there's going to be a scene with Jackson and Stephanie as she talks to him and tries to figure out what exactly is going on with you. I know you're upset. You got caught changing your grades. I know that clearly you have an issue with schoolwork. This, honestly, I feel 
could have been a storyline where, I mean, we do see Jackson struggling throughout the show with his schoolwork. DJ even goes to his teacher when, even though he studied, and he still gets a failing grade on his history test. Yeah, when he's going to summer school. I, I think, or is it, anyway, the thing is, they could use this as a good opportunity to say Jackson has a learning disability. Like maybe he has dyslexia or he has ADD or something to that effect. I think that would be tremendous. Like we could hit it with that and then we could see that character growth. So not only, you know, I just feel like this. it would have been a great opportunity to bring light to a learning disability that kids out there struggle with, whether it's dyslexia, whether it's ADD or ADHD or, or however, but this could have been a great opportunity. And instead it's just like dumb Jackson down and the, they make him basically what feels like the laughing stock of the family. And it just, uh. and then in the last season of the show, it's like, yeah, we're sorry for, you know, making fun of you for the last four years, Jackson, and basically saying you're not smart. You're kind of the not smart one of the family in, in, a, in a goofy, weird way. God, you know what? This he It makes me feel like he is the Kimmy Gibbler version from Full House in Fuller House. And it just feels like he is in the Kimmy role and Max is in the DJ role. Because you think, I mean, he's the older brother and stuff like that. I just, I thought that they, the way they would have made this character what he would have had more role. I guess I'm looking for a role model being he's the older brother. But it feels like that role went to Max, which to each their own, I guess, when it comes to character development and the roles that the siblings take and everything but it's just and it's almost like they're apologizing in the final season like sorry we called you you basically you're not smart jackson but wow it turns out you have hidden talents for computers and technology and everything it's like you might be not the greatest at this one particular area general education but you thrive in this other area where you could really have a career so uh, I guess what I'm saying with Jackson's character is I really wish they had done more with him. And they ju it just feels like either he was obsessed with Lola for the first two seasons of the show. Then they're like, hey, let's get him into football. Hey, let's ha have him like constantly be struggling with school and everything. And not like saying, let's use this as an opportunity to, you know, promote um, learning disabilities in students and stuff like that. And really struggling then again maybe I guess maybe you don't have to constantly be labeling everything with a, as a disability I don't know I just I guess I'm on the fence about it it just really irritates me that this is something that they could have done something with just Jackson's character overall I mean you see tremendous growth from Ramona and Max if the show had went on past season five we could have seen tremendous growth from Tom. I would have loved to see what they did with his Tommy's character. Joe ended in Full House with Michelle being nine years old. And it's like, we really didn't get to see her really... I mean, we saw her come of age up to nine, but it's like, other than that, we knew 
I mean, she's... What is she even doing? She's in New York, right? In Fuller House and just... run. Is she running a business? I, or traveling the world? I thought something, but it just... I don't know. All right. Ah, oh, this is just so cringe-worthy the way he's like, I'm out of here. And he just swarms up. And it's like... You're giving me a two level of emotion, not just running it up to a six. Like, I'm out of here. Like that. Like, put some emotion, like real emotion, not just like high, like junior high theater type emotion. It's like, you're giving me this. I need you to notch it up a little higher. And I am in no way calling Michael Campion a bad actor. It's just. I don't know what it is. Something is just... Something's just off. This, that the character of Jackson Fuller is severely underdeveloped. It's like a nice little base coating, and then it's like, okay, well, let's add some more layers to this kid. Or not give him such a bland personality that is just average. Check it out. I finally made the fridge with something other than a hand turkey. Good for you. <laughs> uh, how did you get all A's anyway? I've never seen you study once. Well, Mona. In America, it's not about studying. It's about dreaming big. Okay. Again, how did you get all A's? Yeah, really. I want to know. What's the secret? I asked myself the same question. Oh, I think he knows. his report card because that does not sound like the honest kid that I know. Oh, yeah, he did it. <laughs> so what if I change my grades? Sorry, I'm not good at test taking. Or at using the printer scanner copier. Apparently not. Fine. Who cares about getting my stupid report card on the stupid fridge where we keep our stupid food and our stupid drinks? I'm out of here. Well, he definitely gets an A in drama. Yeah. <laughs> Ramona, as Jackson walks up, well, he definitely gets an A in drama. <clears throat> well, you know what? I'd say he gets a C in drama. That was really, it was lackluster. It was just, it was very 100% lackluster. It was missing something. Energy. I need more anger, irritation, frustration. So, let's get back to the reunion. We got Hale Sparks as Nelson, as DJ is on the black and white checkered floor of the gymnasium. Nelson comes up and says, DJ Tanner, the girl that got away. 
Okay, I've said Hale Sparks does a decent job, and that's what I mean. It's just, it's just, it's decent. I really wish they had gotten Jason Marsden back. Like I said, nothing against Hale Sparks, but they're able to get most of the, except for the guy who played Harry, they weren't able to get the original actor who played Harry, Stephanie's best friend in season two. And it really wasn't a big deal because he had a short scene. But here it's just like... Probably because I know Hell Sparks from Queer as Folk, which was on from, I think it was like 2000 to 2005 or 6. And uh, I'm just not buying him as a Nelson character. <laughs> this is... <laughs> I'm not of the fact that he's not the same actor as Gigi says, You look almost the same. <laughs> Well, I guess. Glasses and the hair, that's about it. And DJ asks, how are you? And of course, we gotta hear about Nelson still has rolling in the dough. It's like, ah, house in Stinson Beach and one in Maui. And of course, the chalet in Aspen. This guy didn't, did he go to high school with DJ? I didn't get that impression at all. Nelson just, he seemed the type like he would either go to private school or he would just have a tutor at home. No way was that guy going to Bayview High. Why is he there? You can't. And the same thing with Viper, where I said he seems like he is at least a year or so older than DJ. And we meet Viper. Because he, honestly, Viper looks like he's at least 19. He's out of high school. And DJ, of course, is like, no, I asked, how are you? As in, not how much money you have, not how many homes you own, but how are you? And, of course, Nelson's like, oh, I'm sorry, I thought you asked me how many homes do you have? <laughs> oh, Nelson right away zeroes in on the fact that DJ is there by herself. Like, oh, I see you're here solo. Good news. I'm flying solo myself. As he's he's literally circling her like a vulture circles prey. And I am getting... Nelson didn't give me these vibes in Full House when we met him in Season 8. But he's giving me... If you're familiar with The Simpsons and Marge Simpsons high school boyfriend Artie Ziff with the... You know, the G-Fro, the glasses, that kind of... He's giving me that kind of vibe, and it just feels weird. And she's like, oh, good for you. And he says, Gulfstream G6. What? Oh, and DJ kind of gives him a look like, what does that mean? And he's like, oh, I thought you asked how I was flying solo. Okay, gosh, I'm just trying to think of Nelson and Full House... When he was, DJ was breaking up with him, he was like, are you sure I can't change your mind? You know, buy you a nice bridge, perhaps? Or when she breaks up with him, she says, I'll always have the memories. And he's or I had a fun time, you know, with you over the summer. And Nelson says, I know, I had the receipts. It's all about money with Nelson. And just, even now, he's just flaunting his wealth, his many homes, his apparently airplane or whatever he took to get there to that reunion, which again, I don't buy him as a high school student at Bayview. And here comes Viper, played by the original actor. 
and, and Viper comes in, hey, Dage, is this Poindexter bothering you? So now it's like, Nelson and Viper picking up where they left off. <laughs> and Viper is wearing a black button-up sleeveless shirt. It's got decorated with, like, flowered roses and a skull on each side of the shirt. And it's just like, ugh. And, of course, we knew Viper... When he had, you know, the curly hair, the curly brown hair. And he basically, he doesn't have a shaved head, but it is a buzz cut. And, of course, we knew Nelson in Full House with the mullet. And, of course, Hale Sparks does not have that, thank goodness. And he just like, <laughs> Viper? Gosh, what a surprise. Oh, yeah, she was voted most likely to say gosh. She's still saying it. And Viper's like, Deej, you look even better than you did in high school. <sighs> I didn't go. Well, she was in high school while he was dating her. And of course he has, and you looked good in high school. He has got an accent. I don't know whether the actor is from somewhere in New Jersey or New York. But I don't remember the character having an accent of any kind in... Full House, but this is just the actor coming on and reprising this role for like a hot second. It's not like he has to do it like, oh, that's right. Viper didn't have an accent like it was from New York or New Jersey. Thank you, DJ! As she says, you didn't even go to our high school. Yeah, because he, like I said, he was at least a year older than DJ. I feel he was 19 Dating a 17-year-old, which how Danny would agree to that, I'll never understand. I'm sure when Jesse was looking for band members for his Hot Daddy and the Monkey Puppets band, he wasn't looking for some 18-year-old senior in high school. More than likely, he's looking for someone who's not in high school, who has open availability, especially if they're going to play gigs like during the day. Like, no one that's in high school is going to have time to be really doing that if they got homework and other responsibilities and they have curfews. And she asks the question we're all wondering, what are you doing here? And Viper says, well, I came here to see you. You could have, like, stopped by her house. You didn't have to crash her high school reunion. That's kind of lame. Desperate attempt. Neither Nelson or Viper have settled down with anyone in 25 to 30 years. Seriously? None of them? Again, he says the same thing that Nelson did. You're the one that got away. Good thing she did. I can't imagine her with a future with either of those guys. And the fact... It just... It's, it just... It feels like they are both a pale comparison to Steve. Neither of those guys have ever met Steve. But the fact that, I mean, I get it, Scott Wanger wanted to go to college, and this was the way that they had to do this to allow him to be able to go, was he had to break it off with, you know, his character had to break it off with DJ, so he had that availability to go and do that. But, and the fact that, I remember, she's on that mountaintop, and she looks out at the world from that mountaintop and says, I'm gonna be okay. As in, she can be okay by herself. She doesn't need to be with anybody. She can be a strong, independent person. Granted, she could be that, you know, with a person as well as herself. But, and it's like, 
and then here come Nelson, and then come here comes Viper. It was just, oh my gosh! I just I don't like it. I don't like how you you schleff these two guys in here because apparently DJ has to have a love interest. Heck, it's the last season. Let's give her two of them. No, no. Man, would it be nice, honestly, if she could have just focused on herself and her own personal growth during her last year of high school, and then, just like in the series finale, Steve shows up. And the thing is, the way that the that episode ends is we don't know if they did get back together. Or well, we know now, look, seeing Fuller House, we know that, you know, even after prom, you know, he took her to prom, they didn't get back together. They were at two different points in their life. And honestly, never introduced Viper or Nelson. I would have been 100% fine with that because I could have cared less about either of them. Of course Nelson's like, oh, hey, I said that first. So now it's gonna be I think that Nelson and Viper are even gonna be arm wrestling and it's like, come on! Like, do you either of you realize what it would entail being with DJ? You would end up being a stepfather to three Boys, is that what you want to do? I mean, hands down, if we couldn't have Steve with DJ in the end of this, I would have picked Matt over Nelson and Viper any day of the week. A hundred percent. Viper lets us know what he's been doing for the last 25 to 30 years. He's still in a band and he's got a day job at Foot Locker. Awesome. Good for you, Viper. That's awesome that you're still doing the band thing. No disrespect intended. <sighs> okay, I am over this. I'm more interested in Kimmy's story and all of this. DJ's is not interesting me. At least until Steve gets there. Then it gets interesting. Yeah, he's like, my boss is a real tool. He makes me buy him beer. <laughs> what? This is boring. Uh, this, I am not about this. Can we move away from these two? And DJ looks like she is well beyond this Viper and Nelson. I almost called him Stuart. I don't know why. <laughs> Viper and Nelson triangle is just, no, thank you. I've moved on. I'm not interested in either of you. And I wouldn't be if you were both the last men on earth. Bye. Of course, Nelson's like, I see you're still full of wasted potential. Oh, I do. Oh, yes. I do see the name tags. That's what the trivia was talking about. Because we do see if that's supposed to be Jason Marsden in that picture. You can't really see it. It's kind of out of focus. You can see it a little. But then we do see DJ's ID picture there. And of course, Viper's like, hey, and he looks around. How did you know I was wasted? Get out of the gymnasium, sir. Call yourself a Lyft. Call yourself an Uber. If you're wasted, you don't. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, DJ. And she says, and now I remember why I broke up with both of you. She separates herself from the two guys. Like, excuse me, I'm going to go mingle. And, of course, Nelson's like, oh, great, I'll come with you. And then Viper's like, no, I'll come with you. 
They're both like holding her hand. This is so reminiscent of DJ's Choice, that episode, which honestly, I feel is like one of the weakest episodes, not only of season eight, but of in the entire Full House seasons one through eight of the entire show that is the weakest episode in my mind. That one and honestly, Air Jesse is another one that it's just, it's a weak sauce episode. He says, no, you won't, because she's with me. And <laughs> Viper's like, no, bro, she's with me. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Miracle from the heavens. As he walks in, looking fine as ever. Actually, guys, she's with me. Yes! <laughs> woo! Audience goes, woo! And DJ is like, Steve? In a good, happy way. And then, of course, Nelson and Viper are like, Steve? Steve? Like, well, they've never met him. <laughs> Steve is just so like, yep. <laughs> oh, that confidence, that swagger. Love it. Yep, my name's Steve. Now, if you'll excuse me, me and my girl would like some alone time. My girl and I would like some time alone. And DJ says, thank you. And when Steve and DJ walk away, Nelson says, can you believe she picked that guy? And Viper says, well, he was captain of the wrestling team. I'm like, how do you know that? Like DJ said, you didn't even go to her school. And Nelson adds, and currently one of the Bay Area's leading podiatrists. And of course, Viper adds, you can't compete with that. Ugh, oh, the accent. DJ Tanner, the girl that got away. Oh, Nelson! <laughs> you look almost the same. <laughs> How are you? house in Stinson Beach, one in Maui, and of course there's the chalet in Aspen. No, I asked, how are you? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you asked me, how many homes do you have? <laughs> See, you're here solo. Good news, I'm flying solo myself. Oh, good for you. Gulfstream G6. I thought you asked how I was flying solo. <laughs> Hey, Deech, is this Poindexter bothering you? Viper? Hey. Well, gosh, what a surprise. Deech, you look even better than you did in high school. And you looked good in high school. <laughs> and you didn't even go to our high school. <laughs> what are you doing here? Well, I came here to see you. You're the one that got away. Hey, I said that first. Just... <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I'm still playing in a band. Uh, and I got a day job at Foot Locker. My boss is a real tool. He makes me buy him beer. So you're still full of wasted potential? Hey, how did you know I was wasted? And now I remember why I broke up with both of you. Yeah. Excuse me, let me go mingle. Great, I'll come with you. No, I'll come with you. Uh, no, you won't, because she's with me. No, bro, she's with me. Actually, guys, she's with me. Yes, thank you. Steve? Steve? Yep. My name's Steve. Now, if you'll excuse me, my girl and I would like some time alone. Thank you. Can you believe she picked that guy? Yeah, I Well, did. he was captain of the wrestling team. 
How do you know that, Ivor? I'm currently one of the Bay Area's leading podiatrists. You can't compete with that. Steve, what are you doing here? Kimmy texted me. She said you were in desperate need of an escort. Oh, yeah. Oh, you showed up to rescue me. Just like you did at my prom. Oh. Hey, Dee, do you want to see if our names are still on the gym floor? Oh, there's no way. <gasps> oh, my lady! Oh. You know, I carved that on our first date. I knew you were a keeper. I knew you were, too. Why'd we ever break up? Well, that was my biggest regret in high school. And I wound up dating those two bozos. Yes, they're both bozos. <laughs> I am so glad that you're here. You just made my whole night. Okay, everyone, in case you were concerned, Fernando is breathing on his own. Okay, let's party! So... DJ asks Steve, Steve, what are you doing here? And he tells her that Kimmy texted him telling him, you need to get your butt down here because DJ is being encircled by two sharks <laughs> called Nelson and Viper. <laughs> yeah, she says you're she's apparently in desperate need of an escort. Thank goodness he arrived when he did. DJ's like, oh, you showed up to rescue me, just like you did at my prom. And Steve's like, yeah, hey, let's go see if our names are still carved in the floor. And of course, DJ's like, I don't think they still are. And then we see this carved heart. This is DJ plus Steve. And she's like, oh, my Lanta? DJ and Steve forever. Oh! She says, oh, my Lanta? carved that on their first date. Aww. And Steve looked at DJ and says, I knew you were a keeper. And she says, I knew you were too. And he asked her, why did we ever break up? And DJ says, well, that was my biggest regret in high school. And then she said, <laughs> and I wound up dating those two bozos. And we look and Viper and Nelson are wrestling. No, they're not wrestling. Uh, arm wrestling. And of course, Viper just there with his hand up, and Nelson just like, like, give me a break. Let's move away from this, please. Uh, of course, <laughs> Cammy goes back on stage and says, for any of you that were wondering, Fernando is breathing on his own. Oh, here, let's play some 90s music. And we get MC Hammer's Can't Touch This. I love that song as a kid growing up. And DJ says, I'm so glad that you're here. You just made my whole night. <laughs> oh yeah dj and kimmy are dancing and everyone's kind of just watching them it's so cool oh, <laughs> i forgot to mention that kimmy is wearing this blue dress very beautiful in fact and it's got a long train on it well not wedding long but as she and dj are dancing dj steps on it and when kimmy like steps away Ends up ripping the hem of her dress around her waist area. And she's basically wearing... It almost looks... Are those like those Spanx type things? Which are like kind of like tight shorts? I remember seeing that in the movie... I think it's called The Heat. Is it called The Heat? It's got Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy in it. Poor Kimmy. It's like she's been embarrassed so much. I mean, with the Gibbler garbage bag meme and Fernando 
you know, with his face all affected by, you know, getting stung by hornets, and he's in the hospital. And now her dress rips, and you see her spanks, and she is just embarrassed. She, like, grabs the rest of the dress to cover herself, and everybody's pulling up their phone and filming. It's like, give me a break. You people are, like, almost 40. Grow up. I feel so bad for her. And Kathy Santonius, someone get this woman a garbage bag. Kimmy is just beyond mortified. And she's like, <gasps> and she just runs out of the gymnasium, which I, I don't know. I, I probably would. I'd be embarrassed. All her classmates are like laughing their heads off. I mean, everyone but, you know, DJ and Steve aren't laughing. But and Kathy Santoni isn't. She's just concerned. So, we now go back to the house. We are in Jackson and Max's room. Jackson is upset, clearly, that he's been found out for falsifying straight A's when he got probably C's and D's. Maybe a B here or there. Oh, Cosmo! R.I.P. Cosmo! I miss that dog. What a sweetie. I mean, I didn't know him personally, but it's just like, oh, my heart. But you know that Stephanie is going to give one of her world-famous aunt to nephew talks because Jackson is definitely in need of it hey I'm very busy <laughs> clearly <laughs> do you mind if I take a moment out of your busy schedule why'd you change your grades because mine sucked <laughs> they didn't suck they were just average Oh, except for the D. <laughs> and I don't know why they gave you a D in Woodshop. Because that is a beautiful birdhouse. It's a spice rack. <laughs> well, in case you haven't noticed, everybody in this family is a superstar. Well, except me. I get it. You just want to feel special. Everybody wants that. Well, great. Not even my feelings are special. You're being too hard on yourself. Really? The name one thing I'm great at. You are a great friend to Cosmo. He adores you. <laughs> okay, bye, Cosmo. <laughs> okay, that was really bad timing. Let's just admit it. I'm not great at anything. And I never will be. There's nothing about me special. Jackson, don't say that. Just please, leave me alone. Okay. So Stephanie comes into Jackson's room and he's laying on the bed, on his bed. He's like, I'm very busy. He just, he won't even look at her. And Stephanie just looks at Jackson and she's like, yeah, clearly. And she asks him, hey, do you mind if I take a moment out of your busy schedule? Like, we can sit here and talk. And she sits down on the bed and asks Jackson, hey, why'd you change your grades? And he rolls off his bed and stands up and says, because they sucked. And she says, they didn't suck. They were just average, except for that D in Woodshop. 
which I don't understand that because that is a great looking birdhouse. And Jackson turns it around and says, it's a spice rack. So Jackson, of course, comes back over, sits on his bed and says, hey, look, in case you haven't noticed, everybody in this family is a superstar. And yeah, if you think about it, I mean, Ramona has her dancing. Max is just absolutely awesome and cool and seems to excel at every single thing he does. Stephanie's a DJ. DJ is a vet. And just everyone has something about themselves that makes them, you know, special and unique. And it, it seems for Jackson, it's just he is clearly putting a lot of pressure on himself to find something about himself that makes he he's trying to stand out in a family that has everyone's got something going for them that they really really are good at something that makes them them and jackson just he's trying to you know find a way to stand out in this family yeah jackson says everyone in this family is a superstar except me and stephanie says you know i get it everybody wants you just want to feel special. Everybody feels that way. Everyone wants that. And Jackson stands up again. He's like, well, that's great. Not even my feelings are special. And Stephanie stands up and she says, Jackson, you are being way too hard on yourself. And he says, really? Then name one thing I'm good at. And of course, Stephanie can't think of anything. She looks at Cosmo. You are a great friend to Cosmo. I mean, he adores you. And of course, Cosmo gets off the bed and goes out of the room. And she's like, uh, that is really bad timing. And Jackson says, let's just admit it. I'm not great at everything. He keeps throwing his hands up and slapping them down on his legs. Like, let's face it. I'm not good at anything. Like, okay, can we not with that? I get it once for emphasis, but you keep doing that. And it's almost like he's trying to figure in this scene, like, what do I do with my hands? And he also adds, because now he and Stephanie are sitting on that little footlocker at the end of his bed. As he turns, he's not even looking at Stephanie and says, I'm not good at anything, and I never will be. And for a second, I honestly thought, I couldn't tell if Jeff... Michael Campion is trying to cry, or at first, I, I thought he was, like, doing a fake cry type of thing. And his voice, it says in the subtitles here, it says voice breaking, because nothing about me is special. He just, I thought he was, like, fake crying, but it's, like, clearly the actor, I'm not trying to slam his acting skills, but he just... Looks like he has difficulty with, you know, hitting that type of emotion. And that's why it's like, at first I'm like, is he fake crying? Or is he trying to force himself to cry? I mean, you wouldn't know it until you see him kind of rub at his eye like he's wiping away tears. And he's, and Stephanie, you know, rubs his back to be supportive. And he's like, please just. Leave me alone. And then he does the thing that, uh, you know, a lot of people do. They they rub their eyes with, like, the heel of their hands. And they're trying to, like, like, you're trying to rub away the tears or just... And it's just... I gotta, I mean, honestly, if I had to go with a crying scene out of the kids, Elias Harder hit it out of the park in the season four, episode one, Oh My Santa... He just did so good. And I don't want to be where I'm comparing one kid's acting skills to another. Because I, I don't, 
I want to see what Michael Campion did prior to getting this role on Fuller House. So I'm looking at IMDb. Here are some of the things, roles that Michael Campion had prior to Full House. A Day in the Life of Young Robin Hood, a TV series that was from 2012. He played Young D'Artagnan, the great Zombini in 2013, Nova Road, The Three Musketeers of Early Years in 2015. Then he was in Robo Dog from 2015, Christmas Trade in 2015, Finding Eden, Robo Dog Airborne. Apparently, it's a sequel. And then, oh, that was 2017, so, and then Fuller House 2016 to 2020. So, I can't really see, I don't know what Ruby Red is, it's apparently a series that he was on in 2019 that's still going on. And he's got four upcoming projects. I don't think any of the roles prior to Fuller House really call, probably didn't call for much in the emotional. I don't know. And, and maybe I'm not saying the writing's bad on the show. I don't feel that it is. But something just, he's not able to go there emotionally. I want to play this quick clip from 13 Candles when DJ is accused of drinking or not 13 Candles. I'm so sorry. Just say no way. I want to play this clip of her getting upset and getting emotional. And I, I don't want to do this as comparing, like I said, I don't want to compare one's acting to another because each one brings their own to the table. And I will be covering Just Say No Way during the series episode series. I mean, honestly, in the episodes of Full House, Candace takes it and she runs with this. She, oh, I don't know what, like, she was thinking prior to filming the scene, like, how to bring up those, those tears and that emotion and just, wow. And like I said, I don't want to compare her acting skills to Michael Campion's. That's not what this is about. It's just comparing, I mean, and, and if you think about it, I mean, she's being accused of drinking beer versus Jackson forging his grades. And mind you, DJ doesn't even know about this yet. And again, 
<laughs> I haven't watched this since I first watched it when it aired back in December of 2016. So I can't remember if DJ more likely does find out and, you know, has a sit down with Jackson just to try to figure out, let's see what we can do to make, you know, let's see what works for you when it comes to studying and seeing what we need to do to help you get those grades up. I mean, I know in season three, it's he goes to stum the summer school and stuff, but I I'm just trying to re recall, like, is there a scene towards the end of this episode where she sees, like, okay, clearly we see that you are struggling, and we need to identify what is going on so we can fix this so that way you can uh, improve upon this. And the fact that I'm just thinking even now, it's like, and then he's talking about wanting to feel special and making himself stand out in this family of quote-unquote superstars. Why does it take three seasons to see Jackson as a tech head, as I want to refer to the computer guys, you know, people? Why does it take three seasons to give him something other than him being the goofy, clumsy, nobody-takes-you-seriously goofus that we've come... Like I said, he feels like a full-house Kimmy Gibbler. And this is how that family seems to be kind of treating him, like... He's just there. It, it makes me think of <laughs> when Stephanie's like, Oh, well, uh, you're a great friend to Cosmo. It makes me think of Marge Simpson when she's saying, Homer, I like your in-your-faceness. Lisa, I like how you speak your mind. Bart, I like... I like Bart. <laughs> like, you can't think of anything that makes what she likes about her own son, but it's just like... <laughs> so now we're going to go back to the reunion. And Kimmy is disappeared. DJ's looking for her. She's like, hey. She's outside that little photo hut thing where you go in and you make weird faces and then your four pictures pop out. Like a little kiosk thing. She asks, like, hey, have you seen a frazzled-looking woman wearing Spanx? My guess is she's actually in the little uh, photo kiosk thing is where she's hiding. Well, actually, Kimmy is the one who pulls DJ in behind the curtain into the photo kiosk. Oh, yeah, okay, yes. I do see the photo of Kimmy on her name badge is from, gosh, it looks like season six, Kimmy. Season six or season five. I'm trying to think when they were in high school. I thought they entered high school in season five, because that's when she was... No, it was, or was it season four? That's right, because Michelle started, yeah, they graduate, she graduated junior high, in season five, she starts high school, okay, gotcha, because Michelle was starting kindergarten in uh, season five. Okay, so it is Spanx, okay, that's, oh, I, I figured it was something like, it wasn't straight up underwear. And DJ's like, oh, Kimmy, I'm sorry everyone saw you in your Spanx, and Kimmy says, this reunion is a total disaster. She says, my dress tore off. My fiancé looks like the elephant man. Aw, guys, why did you have to bring the elephant man into that? Come on. That poor man suffered. He, he suffered. 
and Kimmy adds, and everyone knows I have a urinary tract infection. Yeah, she's got a UTI. That's why they say drink the cranberry juice. Don't they also say, like, drink, don't they say drink a lot of water? It kind of flushes your system out, too. Kind of helps you out. Then we hear the beep, 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 and Kimmy's smile, and they smile for the camera. I love how DJ is being such a supportive friend to Kimmy. She says, hey, look, we can go home right now. Like, whatever you want to do, I'm here for you. And Kimmy says, well, I can't leave. I, I still have to pay for the caterer and lock up. Sweetie, Deej can take care of that. If you want to go home, you can go home. You know, someone else can pay the caterer and lock up. It's okay, Kimmy. Deej's got your back. That's what best friends are for. They help you out when you're in a pinch and you're in a bind. Then we hear the beep, 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 and... DJ says, she wolf. And they do the, the little daily ears on the top of the head. I love the she wolf howl. And Kimmy tells DJ, like, hey, I hope you're having a better night than I am. And DJ says, well, I'm having a pretty great time with Steve. She says, I mean, a really great time. Maybe too great of a time. Because, like we know, in this season, Matt, Matt, Matt's in India. <laughs> But Steve's with CJ. We saw them locking lips on the front steps of the the house there. And then Kimmy says, goofy face, as the camera, like, clicks again. So DJ says how this is very confusing for her because she doesn't know, like, am I having real feelings for Steve or am I just getting caught up in all the nostalgia? Yeah, I don't know. You know they really can't act on it because he's with someone else and so is she. And I get this, that I understand. They drew it out because you're not going to give this couple the happily ever after right smack dab. Like, oh, it's season two. Let's put DJ and Steve right together. And then it's like this show goes on. And then, well, okay, let me ask you this. Let's just say, the, okay, let's put Steve and DJ together in season two. And then we have what? Let's, we, we, let's just say we go on for another two or three seasons like we do. And then you're just going to see pretty much Steve and DJ as a married couple and, and stuff like that. And I, I mean, would you have liked the series as a, I guess, we, could we even call their relationship kind of a slow burn with the obstacles of Matt and CJ and have it being so drawn out that it carries over for what they don't even start dating until season four, officially. And then in season three is where they announce, like, they can't deny their feelings anymore for each other. And, the, I mean, would you have it long drawn out and then the their heavily ever after is in at the end of the show in season five in the final episode? Or would you have preferred they just get them together in season two and for the next two or three seasons we see them enjoying married life, going through, you know, Steve's being a step-parent to the boys and fun obstacles with the boys and everything. Because we do get to see in later seasons Steve is spending time with, with, with Jackson, with Max, and... We don't really seem to, I mean, Tommy's like kind of, he's, Tommy's just there in the scene when you need him. And I'm just even thinking about, you know, 
the boys, the Messa twins, you know, Dashiell and Fox. If the series had gone on, how the character would have been developed because it seems like they only would bring in Tommy. They showed him a lot when he really was still a baby and a toddler and, you know, still, like, learning to say his first words and taking his first steps and everything. And it seems like as the show went on and the twins became more, like, in control of, you know, their, you know, being toddlers, they're running around here and there. It seemed like they started to use the twins less and less for scenes and only have Tommy there when, Tommy Jr. there when, the scene called for it for like maybe less than a couple minutes and I kind of wonder if it's more like okay but then again with the Olsen twins was the same thing the kids once they get older they're like you only have so much time to get the scenes that you need and I watched some of the behind the scenes videos with the child wranglers saying how long it would take just to get one good take of the twins for the scene that they needed them in and then moving on it would take a very very long time so i can see why as the message twins got older the character of tommy his time in the episodes was getting shorter his scenes were getting very very shorter and shorter because well little kids you can only get so much out of them for the short amount of time that you have them you know, due to child labor laws and everything like that. So maybe like, well, let's just keep the scene short. He makes an appearance and he like walks out the door or whatever. Like, um, A Tommy Tale. That was the only episode that really seemed to really focus on Tommy. I mean, there was a side plot too, but yeah. Just curious how they would have developed Tommy's character if the show had continued. As the kid boys got older... And DJ tells Kimmy, he's like, well, maybe Steve's still in my life for a reason. And the thing is, I say the same thing. People come into our lives for a reason at the time and point in our life that is necessary for them to be here. They may not stay forever, but they're there because it calls for them to be there in your life at that time because that's just how life works out. That's what I always say. It's like, there's a reason. I feel in a way there's a reason that things haven't. There's a reason for everything. Things happen the way they happen because they're supposed to happen that way. We may not understand it. And I was actually talking to my sister about this whole thing with there's a reason why we came here to Texas when we did. The fact that everything worked out. And I told her one day eventually we're going to find out why this whole thing with the Texas storm and us being displaced and in a hotel and everything and I told her, looking back on it, eventually we're going to find out, it may not be right away, why this had to happen for us. Uh, you know, we don't know it now, but eventually this what we're going through, there's going to be a reason. But I just have to not dwell on it so much. It's kind of hard not to when you're in the moment to dwell on something. But once you're out of the situation, you can kind of look back on it. But anyway, yeah. And Kimmy says, I think you should go out there and talk to him. And then let me know when everyone's gone. She says, I'll be hiding behind the dumpster. And of course you hear the beep, beep, beep. And the camera's getting ready to take another photo. And Kimmy says, or DJ says, BFFs. Oh, I love how they make the little hearts with their hands. It's so cute. 
But yeah, another thing, going back to people coming into your life for a minute, like, the managers at the jobs that I had and the, you know, friends I had when I was working, like, you know, eventually you're going to move on, you're going to go your separate ways and stuff like that, but it's nice that those people come into your lives when they do. It's like they have such a big effect on you and just, yeah. I love it, like, those people that they're, they're there for a minute and then they're not. It's like they leave such a lasting impression, not only on your on your mind, but on your heart. Excuse me, have you seen a frazzled-looking yeah. woman wearing Spanx? <laughs> I am sorry everyone saw you in your Spanx. <laughs> this reunion is a total disaster. My dress tore off. My fiance looks like the elephant man. And everybody knows I have a urinary tract infection. Smile! We can go home right now. Whatever you want to do, I'm here for you. I can't leave. I still have to pay the caterer and lock up. She-wolf. I hope you're having a better night than I am. Well... I'm having a pretty great time with Steve. I mean, a really great time. Maybe too great of a time. Goofy face. <laughs> it's so confusing. I don't know if I'm having real feelings for Steve or I'm just getting caught up in all the nostalgia. But maybe Steve's still in my life for a reason. I think you should go out there and talk to him. And then let me know when everyone's gone. I'll be hiding behind the dumpster. <laughs> BFFs. All right, so now we're going to go back to the house, and everyone is downstairs. And when I say everyone, I mean Stephanie, Baby Tommy, Max, Ramona, and Lola. <laughs> Stephanie woke up Tommy just for this. Come on, Tommy, we got to support your big brother. He's feeling down on himself. So, yeah, Stephanie calls down Jackson, saying, Jackson, we need you, and he shouts from upstairs, no, you don't, and Stephanie, Lola's here, and Jackson's like, I'm coming, <laughs> of course, you say the magic word Lola, and boom, he appears. So, he comes down the stairs, he's like, hey, Lola, what are you doing here, and Lola says, well, your family said you wouldn't come down the stairs unless I came over, so here I am. And Jackson's like, oh, this is a great trick. I'm going back upstairs. And, oh, gosh, I love, Stephanie is an amazing aunt in this moment. She's like, no, you're not going back upstairs. We just want to talk to you for a moment. And it's just, it's so sweet what each of them has to say about how Jackson is just been such a great person in in their lives. And of course, before they get started on that and talking about how great Jackson is, Max pulls out the trombone literally right behind Jackson's ear and just blows into it. I'm like, great, he's going to have hearing loss. We all know Max is not the best on the trombone. And I love how Max like puts his arms around Jackson kind of like almost like you know joking it's like it's time for the Jackson Fuller award show and if you were confused Max says 
where do we give awards to Jackson Fuller? <laughs> Why are you Max is shouting this all like literally? Because Jackson is sitting on the couch and Max is like hovering over the top of the couch where he's got his arms like in a hold against Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> right, shouting this right by his ear canal. <laughs> and I love how everyone claps and the audience claps. And I love how Stephanie takes baby Tommy's hand because he's like probably two at this point. He takes his little hand and claps it against hers. And he just a smile on little, you know, either Dashler or Fox's face. I can't tell which twin is which, but aww. So, Lola's first up at bat as she sits next to Jackson on the couch and says, Jackson, when I first moved in here, you were so sweet to me. You even gave me your bedroom. To which Jackson replies, no I didn't. My mom took it away from me. And then, of course, if you didn't see the episode, Moving Day, Jackson also fills in. And then I got so mad that I ran away from home. And Lola gets to the point, it's like... But eventually, you gave me your room, and that was very nice of you. And Ramona reaches down on the floor and pulls out a trophy that has a yellow sticker that says, Best New Brother 2016. And instead of enjoying this nice gesture that Ramona has done for him, he looks at it and notices the ballerina on top. Yeah, yes. Is that a ballerina? And she's, uh, it is because you were too, too sweet. And she says, "Get it?" He's like, "Yeah, I get it. Can can I go, please? Can I go now?" Okay, so now it's Max's turn as he runs up to Jackson and says, "I have to tell you a story." And he proceeds to tell Jackson about the time that Max thought there was a monster in his closet. I love how Max starts the story. A long, long time ago, I was seven. So basically season one. <laughs> and Max goes on to say, there was a monster in my closet. And everyone thought I was nuts, except you. You believed me. And this just makes me think of the episode from Full House in season one. I think it's like our very first promo when they have the ferret in the basement and Stephanie keeps hearing that or whatever, that, that ferret noise. And DJ keeps saying, you're not hearing anything, Stephanie. You're just, it's in, all in your head. And yeah. Actually, yes, it is found out that it is, in fact, a ferret. So, yeah, like a good big brother, Jackson caught the monster in a pillowcase and put it out with the trash. Jackson just looks at Max and is like, uh, so? And Max says, so? You saved my life. And opened up more closet space. Oh, Max. Max says, and that's why I present you with this. And he pulls out a certificate. I thought, at first I thought it was like something that was like, handmade on the computer or something like that like an actual certificate was made up because you can actually make up certificates for people you know for funsies like hey you're an awesome best friend or hey you're an awesome husband or wife or spouse or however or an awesome brother it's just 
stuff like that. But it turns out it's Cosmo's certificate certificate for obedience school. It's like Jackson is pretty much shooting down every single attempt that Max and Ramona and, and, and then, you know, Lola and Stephanie, it's just like, they're trying to, you know, boost his spirits, and he keeps shutting them down. It's like, dude. Like, I'd be like, you know what? Whatever. Just, if you want to be a sad sack, go upstairs then. I mean, my gosh. Your family and your girlfriend are going out of their way to help you. But whatever. I mean, Jackson's allowed to feel miserable if he wants to. Just thought it was sweet of the, you know, family and Lola to do something to help cheer Jackson up. <laughs> when Jackson says, this is Cosmo's certificate from obedience school, and I love Max saying, and now it's yours. <laughs> yeah, jo Jackson just tosses it onto the coffee table, like, thanks, I guess, and he starts to walk towards the stairs. And Stephanie's like, wait, hold on, because she's holding baby Tommy, and she says, this little guy told me to tell you a secret. He said that you're the best brother ever, but not to tell Max. I love how we cut to Max's face, and he just kind of looks at Ramona like, are you hearing this? What is, what is this nonsense? Really? And Stephanie continues, well, Tommy also said that you give the best tickles in the world. Stephanie looks at Jackson expectantly like, come on, give the kid a thrill. And Jackson's just like, really? And Stephanie's like, come on, I woke him up for this. <laughs> I woke him up from his nap so you could give him a tickle. <laughs> and Jackson reaches forward and tickles Tommy in between <laughs> the space between his arm and his chest. And I love how... The baby just smiles. You see, it's got the dimples. It's, it's adorable. He's like, ah! And Jackson again is just like, the kid's an easy laugh. I mean, he thinks that light bulbs are hysterical. He, Jackson is really poo-pooing on everyone's attempts to cheer him up. And we get Lola here, who says, you know, I really didn't have anything prepared. But... She says, you're my first boyfriend, and I am very picky. She tells him, I think you're awesome, and you're a really good kisser. I'm trying to think when exactly did they just kissed that one. I'm trying to think. They might have kissed a set, because I know in the New Year's episode coming up, which hasn't happened yet, they kiss, but I'm just thinking of the wedding season one finale episode she gives him a quick little peck on the lips but she's boasting his confidence i love how the audience is like "Ooh!" and jackson's like i, I am <laughs> he is so like wow i feel so much better he's like jumping up and down it's like oh my gosh and stephanie says we should have just went with lola first because <laughs> jackson's reaction to Ramona, Max, and Stephanie have just been subpar. But Lola is reacting. Because ah! you know he's obsessed with Lola. And he hugs her and she hugs him back. Oh, Lola. Yeah, and Stephanie's like, why didn't we just start with Lola? So, yeah, Stephanie tells Jackson, look, 
You see, when it comes to being a great boyfriend, a great brother, and a great nephew, you get an A+. And Stephanie adds, the way you make people feel is what makes you really special. Okay, looks like Dashler Fox needs to go take a nap because he is rubbing him. Tommy, baby Tommy there, he is rubbing his eyes with the back of his head like, eh. <laughs> Yeah, it's time for him to go take a nap. So Jackson turns back to Lola is like, really? I'm a good kisser? It's the way he's reacting, you think someone just told him he won a million dollars. Oh, and of course, before we get back to the high school reunion, we see Dashler Fox pointing up. He's pointing up at the lights that are on the set. <laughs> so, yeah. Jackson, we need you. No, you don't. Lola's here. Coming. Of course, because it's Lola. Hi, Lola. <laughs> what are you doing here? Your family said you wouldn't come downstairs unless I came over. Okay, I'm going back upstairs. No, uh, uh, hold on. All right, we just want to talk to you. Please, have a seat. Uh, right in his ear, Max, on the trombone. It's time for the Jackson Fuller Award Show, where we give awards to Jackson Fuller. Oh, this is so cute. I like this. <laughs> moved in you were so sweet to me you even gave me your bedroom no i didn't my mom took it away from me <laughs> well yeah and then i got so mad that i ran away from home <laughs> but eventually you gave me your room and that was very nice of you so that's why this is for you best new brother 2016 oh is that a ballerina <laughs> Oh, nice save, Ramona. Get it? <laughs> yeah, I get it. Can I go now, please? I have to tell you a story. A long, long <laughs> time ago, I was seven. <laughs> and there was a monster in my closet. Everyone told me I was nuts, except you. You believed me. And then you caught the monster in a pillowcase. Is this an episode we've seen before? Doesn't so? sound familiar. So? <laughs> you saved my life! So yeah, we get back to the high school reunion, and we got a guy here knocking on the photo kiosk. And Kimmy pops her head out behind the curtain and says, Occupado! And the guy <laughs> looks at Kimmy and says, I'm not sure you remember me, but we almost got married. It's Dwayne from season eight. Yes. The whatever. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> Kimmy, is it Dwayne? The whatever guy? The whatever guy. You almost married this man. Did he become a plumber? The audience is like, ah. Yep. And, of course, the name tag also has Dwayne's picture from season eight of Full House. And Dwayne says, yep, that's me. I didn't have the most ex expansive vocabulary back then. And Kimmy, who's still hiding behind that curtain, but she's stepped out of the photo kiosk, 
she says, oh, it's great to see you. What have you been up to this whole time? And he tells her, well, I went to Harvard, and then I became a motivational speaker. Oh, that's so sweet. That's great. Oh, I'm so happy for him. I know Scott, is it Melville or Menville? Um, he does a lot of voiceover work for cartoons and stuff. He's really good. But, of course, before I knew him as Dwayne, I knew him as David Wart Chapter, Wayne Arnold's best friend in the Wonder Years. So, Dwayne explains how he took his lame catchphrase, whatever, and turned it into an entire world view. And Dwayne says, it's all about saying whatever to any obstacle that life gives you. And Dwayne says, Kimmy Gibbler, your entire class is making fun of you. Whatever. It's basically almost saying, like, whatever, just shrug it off. It's no big deal. Your fiancé got stung by bees and looks grotesque. Whatever. Your spanks are trending. Whatever. <laughs> oh, he was there for that. Oh, that's right. I, I honestly, I mean, I love that we get to see Dwayne. It's great. He actually does make an appearance again in the series finale of Fuller House in the wedding episode. Gosh, I would have loved if we just got a hot take from Bitterman. I really, I really wish we could have, because we saw him for a handful of scene episodes. We really could have benefited from seeing Bitterman. I mean, come on. Not that I don't love that we got Dwayne, but we do get him again in the series finale. But I just wonder, like, hey, what's Bitterman up to? What's he been doing this whole time? Maybe they did try to reach out. I think his name is Christian Guzak, who who played Bitterman. Maybe they did reach out to him. Maybe he declines that I'm not acting anymore. That doesn't really sound like anything I would want to do. Who knows? Who knows? And Kimmy says, Thank you, Dwayne. I'm going to turn this night around. And she kisses him on the cheek. Oh, and he turns into old Dwayne again. Bashful Dwayne. Yep, his classic. <laughs> Whatever. Yes! He, he, the moment she kisses him on the cheek, he, he literally turns back into 1995. Season 8, Full House Dwayne. The bashful, shy. <laughs> I love it. The audience goes wild. Woo! sure you remember me but we almost got married Dwayne the whatever guy <laughs> the whatever yeah that's me I didn't have the most expansive vocabulary back then oh, it's so good to see you what have you been up to uh, well uh, I went to Harvard and then I became a motivational speaker I took my lame catchphrase whatever and turned it into an entire worldview it's all about saying whatever to any obstacle that life gives you. Kimmy Gibbler, your entire class is making fun of you? Whatever. Your fiancé got stung by bees and looks grotesque? <coughs> whatever. Your spanks are trending? Whatever. Thank you, Dwayne. I'm going to go turn this night around. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha! 
So we cut back to DJ and Steve, and here comes their song from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, by Brian Adams, Everything I Do, I Do It For You. Why the heck are, why are Viper and Nelson still there? They're like, have sitting, standing on the, uh, the edge of the stage there. Yeah, Steve says, that's our song, Everything I Do. And DJ adds, in parentheses, I do it for you. <laughs> Steve adds, from our favorite movie, Robin Hood. And DJ adds, colon, Prince of Thieves. <laughs> okay, we get it. Steve asks, may I? And he takes DJ by the hand. And she says, you may. <laughs> Steve, of course, has to sing along to it. Like, oh my goodness. <laughs> Beautiful, I love it. That's our song, everything I do. In parentheses, I do it for you. <laughs> Call in Prince of Thieves. May I? <laughs> Look into my eyes. <laughs> you Oh my gosh. She's she's caring and, and funny and, and beautiful. All the things I treasured about you when we were together. Thank you. Look, um, to be honest, I started dating CJ because she reminded me of you. Now I love her for who she is. And if I learned anything from our relationship, it's that you can't let a good thing slip away. I've been thinking about that too. So, um, I guess I'm gonna propose. Unless you could think of a reason why I shouldn't. Do you open the door for her? I can't think of one. Oh. You okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm so happy for you and CJ. I'm so happy for you in that. We just have to promise that no matter what happens, we'll always stay friends. Because I love you. 
So yeah, they have this whole dance routine to this song, and it's just it's hilarious and cute at the same time. And DJ mentions to Steve that all these old feelings are coming back, and she says she he well he says I have something to tell you, and she says well I have something I want to talk to you about, and before she can even say anything, Steve blurts out I'm gonna propose to CJ. And then he also admits that CJ is the kind of woman that has the qualities that he found in DJ. You know, she's caring and honest and beautiful and all of this. And he even admits the reason he started dating CJ was because she reminded him of the qualities that he loved about DJ. And you just see poor DJ. Her heart is breaking with every word that comes out of Steve's mouth. Yeah, as they're dancing, she says, oh, all these old memories are coming back. And old feelings, too. And Steve says, Deej, there's something I need to talk to you about. And the way that he says it, it just, he knows that it's gonna, it's gonna, you know, she's not gonna be happy about the news. And she says, there's something I need to talk to you about, too. Because she is going... I can see it. She wants to admit that she is ready to admit that she still has feelings for Steve, even though she's dating Matt. But, well, yeah, and DJ says, I'll go first, and Steve just bleats out, or just blurts out, I'm going to propose to CJ. And just a look on DJ's face was just like, oh, like she wasn't expecting him to say that. And she's like, oh, or you could go first. Steve, it almost sounds like when Steve says this, it's almost like he's trying to convince himself. As he says, CJ has everything I'm looking for in a partner. Notice how he says partner. He doesn't say wife. He says she's caring and funny and beautiful. You know, Steve adds all the things I treasured about you when we were together. This, this is, oh, DJ, I, I, I feel for her. I mean, even though, you know, she's with Matt and everything. And what else can DJ say? She says, <laughs> thank you. And Steve says, look, to be honest, I started dating CJ because she reminded me of you. And Steve says, now I love her for who she is. I really, we don't get that at all. It just feels like he's been stringing CJ along. Or even when he finds out that DJ and Matt are dating. He completely disregards CJ and her feelings. It's like, what? What are you talking about, DJ? You're dating Matt? It's like he's been with, being with CJ until DJ eventually makes up her mind about or realizes that she actually wants to be with Steve. And it just seems to this... Steve is flat out settling for CJ because he really, you know, he can't have DJ because she's with Matt. And I just feel, it's just, for CJ and Matt, it's like they got the short end of the stick in the relationships. It's like they were placeholders until DJ and Steve eventually came to their senses and realized that they were meant to be together. And how can you have feelings for a partner that still has feelings for their first love or, or, or their ex or whatever. 
Because you know it's only a matter of, a, of time before they realize, like, oh, I need, I should be back with my first love. Because they were my first love. And I can't think about, truly give myself to this other person because I'm still holding on to what I had with my ex. And Steve says, as they're still dancing, by the way, while this whole conversation is going on, he says, if I learned anything from our relationship, it's that you can't let a good thing slip away. And DJ says, yeah, I've been thinking about that too. And Steve says, so uh, I guess I'm going to propose. The way that he says it, it's, it's like his back's up against the wall and there's no other option. He doesn't sound happy about it. It's almost like it's like an ultimatum. Like, well, I guess I'm going in this direction because DJ's still with with uh, with Matt. So, because not once in the scenes we see Steve with CJ, does he really truly act like he is in love with her? I mean, he's always bringing her over to DJ's house. I mean, can you imagine being CJ? Like, hey, CJ, we're going to go over to my ex's house. And they're constantly there all the uh, uh. CJ puts up with a lot from Steve. She really, really does. And the fact of the matter is she has a, CJ has a daughter named Rose who is, you know, Max's friend slash girl or whatever you want to, you know. And it's just like, you're not just affecting CJ you're affecting Rose as well. But Rose even could tell, like, no, DJ and Steve are clearly meant to be with each other. Here we go. As he says, so I'm going to propose. Unless you think of a reason why I shouldn't. So he's basically leaving it all up to DJ. Like, hey, I'm going to propose to CJ, but if you give me a reason, I will walk away from this relationship in a heartbeat. Like, CJ, if, if she if DJ said yes right then and there, Steve would have walked away from that relationship. CJ never would have, would have been the wiser about the fact that Steve was thinking of proposing to her. And what can DJ honestly do? I mean, she's still with Matt. He says, I, I can't think of one. Even though in her mind, in the back of her head, she's got a bazillion reasons. And she looks like she is ready to burst into, oh my gosh, I thought she, I really thought she was going to leave the dance floor. I really, really thought she was going to break down and leave the dance floor, but she doesn't. And Steve, of course, can read DJ's emotions because they're written all over her face, basically. And he asks her, are you okay? I was like, she literally looks like she's about ready to break down in tears. And DJ says, (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm just so happy for you and CJ. You just you know that is a bold-faced lie. A hundred percent coming out of DJ's mouth. And Steve says, I'm so happy for you and Matt. <laughs> yeah, you know that's a lie. And DJ says, We just have to promise that no matter what happens, we always stay friends. And then she adds, Because I love you. Steve says I love you too. Oh, my heart. Oh my goodness. As the song closes out, they hug. Here comes Kimmy with a garbage bag over herself. 
She figured, yeah, you should just embrace it. Embrace the meme. I guess, just embrace who you are. Don't be embarrassed. So just say whatever. Exactly. Just say whatever. Kimmy says, Deej, I'm back. And Kimmy breaks away from Kimmy. <laughs> Where in the hefty bag? DJ breaks away from Steve. Kimmy, what are you doing? <laughs> she says, Kimmy says, embracing my inner whatever. I love how Kimmy turns to to, to um, Dwayne and says, I'm using that correctly, aren't I? And of course we get shy, shy Dwayne, whatever. Oh my goodness. Okay, and here comes the masked man, well... He's got a bunch of gauze around. He, he looks, this honestly looks like, I've never seen the Invisible Man movie, you know, the one where the, but, yeah, he's wearing a hat and glasses over, a, you know, a gauze plastered over face. It's Fernando. It's Fernando. Everyone's pulling out their phones again. Oh my goodness. And, of course, Fernando goes over to Kimmy and says, Gimberlina, it's me, Fernando. And it's like, of course she knows that it's you, Fernando. Apparently he got out of the hospital and he's fine. Kind of. And Kimmy says, I had a feeling. <laughs> Kimmy asks him, what are you doing? And Fernando says, I wanted to come back, but I did not want to attract attention. And <laughs> Kimmy says, take your bandages off. And Fernando says, but what if you find me repugnant? Fernando falls away like, what if you find me repugnant? And Kimmy says, I'm wearing a garbage bag. We're way past repugnant. Everyone there is laughing. I mean, the other high schoolers. I mean, DJ, of course, isn't, you know. And and Kathy Santoni isn't. And it's like, yeah, his face is, you know, a little swelled here and there. But overall, it's like, come on, people. I thought we were adults here. What's up? They're acting like high schoolers, only with cell phones so they can record all this. So Kimmy embraces it. She's like, all right, everyone, gather around, get your pictures of Garbage Bag Gibbler and Freak Show McBeasting. <laughs> Kimmy says, I'm not here to impress you people. I'm here to have a great night with my best friend, my beautiful fiance. Aww. So whatever, and of course we see Dwayne nod. <laughs> so Kathy Santoni says, even back in high school, you were never afraid to be weird. And she continues, you're the bravest person I know. Kathy Santoni says, to Kimmy Gibbler, and she starts clapping and everyone joins in. Fernando looks around, and I'm even confused, because he's like, what are they doing? And DJ explains, it's the slow clap. Okay, what's the slow clap? I, <laughs> I I grew up in that. What's the slow clap? Is that a new thing? That's like, we approve, we approve, right? Oh, thank you, DJ. She explains it. It means the nerdy outsider is finally accepted by the cool kids. You're all almost 40. Come on. What am I saying? I'm almost 40. Well, I'll be 40 next year, but still. And the movie's almost over. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> and Fernando says, what a relief. In Argentina, it means you're about to be executed. Ah! <laughs> I don't like that. And here 
comes You Can't Touch This by MC Hammer. And Kimmy says, look, I know we've heard this before, but I only have two songs on my phone. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And they all dance. It's, it's cool. And that's how the episode ends. Embracing my inner whatever. I'm using that correctly, aren't I? Whatever. <laughs> I had a feeling. What are you doing? I wanted to come back, but I did not want to attract attention. Take your bandages off. Well, what if you find me repugnant? I'm wearing a garbage bag. We're way past repugnant. <laughs> okay, everyone, gather around and get your pictures of garbage bag Gibbler and freak show McBeasting. Because I'm not here to impress you people. I'm here to have a great night with my best friend and my beautiful fiance. So whatever. Even back in high school, you were never afraid to be weird. You're the bravest person I know. To Kimmy Gibbler. What are they doing? Oh, it's the snow clap. It means the nerdy outsider is finally accepted by the cool kids and the movie's almost over. In Argentina, it means you're about to be executed. I know we've heard this before, but I only have two songs on my phone. <laughs> All right, yeah, that's the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun rediscovering this episode after... Gosh, what's it been now? Five years? Well, not quite, because season two debuted in December 2016. So, yeah, not quite five years. But, yeah, I, I just, I, I love going back and just rewatching. It's so fun. I saw it. What a way, what a send-off for the reunion series for the month of June and to mark my 20th high school reunion. So, let's see here. I've looked at the outfits, and definitely best outfit of the episode. I'm going to give it to Kimmy's blue dress with the, the, it's not seashell, it was like a starfish, and then there's like some other nautical type items on her necklace, and it just, and of course it had like, shiny um like i don't know rhinestone something sparkly it was just it was i loved her blue dress it went great with so yeah kimmy is going to get the best outfit dj of course is going to get runner up i really liked her white dress with the blue and two different shades of pink it looked like 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 paint splattered look it is brush strokes kind of look um yeah hers is runner up worst outfit oh i'm gonna give it to viper i did not like his outfit and runner up for worst i'm gonna give it to nelson just because uh, no 
they just made, you know, Nelson's character, even though he's played by a different actor, they just made him really insufferably. Oh, my goodness. Tanner, teachable moment for this episode. Just be honest. This is a refer to Jackson lying about his credit card. Oh, wait, that's right. We didn't see DJ, you know, talking to Jackson about, you know, his credit card. Credit card. His report card. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> that would be that. That would be an interesting um, episode, uh, idea for an episode. Jackson gets a credit card, and he runs up a bunch of money, a bunch of things, bunch of debt. <laughs> but yeah, we did. I thought we were gonna get something like that, but we didn't. We didn't. That's not a big deal because there are other episodes where DJ does kind of hammer down on Jackson in regards to his, his grades and his schooling and everything like that. So, yeah, just honestly, be, be honest about it. Don't, don't lie. Don't try to fudge your grades. And just, I liked what Stephanie did, uh, you know, getting, you know, the family there to support Jackson just tell him how great he is and everything even though Jackson doesn't see it also another thing be honest about your feelings I mean even though Steve said he was going to propose to D he's going to propose to CJ I don't know I felt maybe DJ could have been honest in that moment I get it she was holding back because you know again she's with Matt and Steve is with CJ, so I get I understand the slow burn of them finally you knew eventually like, the couplings of Steve and CJ and Matt and DJ were just not gonna work out. The fact that they had to drag it all the way through halfway through season three, but you know what it, it is what it is. I think, honestly, my favorite cameo definitely would have been Dwayne. I thought that was a nice surprise. I really liked it. Again, I thought it would have been cool if you threw, you know, Bitterman in there or something. But I guess they only had room for so many cameos. Well, also, Kathy Santoni, the original. Yeah. So, yes. Kathy Santoni, Dwayne, um, Viper, and then House Bars playing Nelson. But, yeah, it was, it was good. Alright, so, Michael Campion's birthday is late July. I know I said I covered Golden Toe Fuller, but I'm like, nah, I, I actually want to cover what I think is a cooler episode. Season 1, Episode 6, The Legend of El Explosivo. Explosivo. In this episode, DJ punishes Jackson, causing him to miss his favorite Mexican wrestling league, Lucha Kaboom. But then only leads to more action for the fans. Okay, here's a, oh, here's another one. <clears throat> Stephanie has a surprise for the whole family. Tickets for Lucha Kaboom, a Mexican wrestling show where they perform dangerous tricks. Everyone is excited, especially Jackson, who is doing this. Some dangerous tricks himself with his friends after school. DJ finds out and Jackson is grounded, but then Jackson comes up with a plan to still see Lucha Kaboom. 
<sighs> and of course, for Lori Laughlin's birthday in July, I will be covering Season 8, Episode 21 of Full House, Leap of Faith. In this episode, Jesse tries to stop Rebecca from bungee jumping, but thinks it's okay if he takes risks. Michelle cons her dad into letting her go to a rock concert. Uh-huh. <laughs> so those will be the two episodes I'm covering for the month of July. And then in August, I will be covering the series, the sister series, for the month of August because Sister's Day is in August, where we celebrate sisters. All right, everyone, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. And if you'd like to leave an email for me for the podcast, you can do so at omhcfhfhpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave a review for the podcast, if you're enjoying it, you can go to iTunes and put in Full House or Fuller House Podcast. The Oh My Land to Holy Chalupas Podcast will pop up in the search bar. And you can leave a review. You can use emojis. Every five-star review the podcast gets makes it more noticeable for other Full House and Fuller House fans like yourselves. All right. Bye-bye, everybody.